0: Folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to talk about kind of some some in-between stuff as this Denver Nuggets team. Hold on, let me turn on this light in front of me right now. Uh, As this Denver Nuggets team in general, they are going through it, as everybody knows, and it's too bad that things have kind of devolved into what they have devolved into. But I'm hoping that everybody's having a good night. I had a good day myself, and I am excited to be able to get into just a variety of topics here. Uh, Hello, Abel. How are you? Thank you very much for hopping in. I really appreciate everybody that hops in on these days. Uh, It's never easy for Nuggets fans in general to react uh, to everything uh dylan what's going on my guy how are you really appreciate it Uh, we'll, we'll hang out in here wait wait a little bit before everybody hops in uh this nuggets team in general i know they're going through some rough stuff i know they're trying to figure some stuff out but i am fine like i think everybody else should be fine with this as well uh, it's way better, as I said this a couple days ago, it's way better to be struggling in March than it is in April and May. Uh, Denver, they're going to roll through it. They're going to figure it out. And that's the most important thing for this team is that they just get through it. They figure out how to get through it as healthy as they possibly can. Uh, but they will. They will. There's no doubt about it. Uh, most important thing for this Nuggets team right now is that they get through unscathed. But uh, with some of the results tonight, we're going to be talking about it here in just a bit. Uh, The playoff picture is shaping up at least a little bit. Uh, First segment, we're going to go over some of the playoff picture stuff. I know that the Clippers and the Warriors are still playing right now. We'll see if that finishes up by the time we end this podcast. Uh, But that will be something we talk about for both of the Western Conference and Eastern Conference. Next, we will go into ideal bench rotations. And I know that a lot of folks, I'm seen as the rotation guy in a lot of ways because of the charts that I do. I have opinions. I have uh, prerogatives in terms of like what I think should go on. I'm not perfect and I don't think anybody is, but I, I do think I have a pretty decent handle on what works for the Nuggets so far and what doesn't. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll preview the rest of the road trip here going forward. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about the playoffs. we got to talk about just how everybody is getting through. Uh, it's not just Denver that's kind of scuffling at this point. There are some other teams that are really struggling too. Uh, but not as much as the Nuggets and not at the degree that the Nuggets are. Although I will say, look, Phoenix, they've lost three in a row. They've had some close games. They've had some really tough opponents. Phoenix is another team that is just losing, and they have not fully figured it out. They've lost enough that if either the Warriors or the Clippers win tonight, they will be tied in the win column with the Suns for the 5-seed, and the Suns have a strong chance of falling back down to the 6, which I think would please a lot of Nuggets fans. I don't think any Nuggets fans really want to see uh, the Suns going forward. But given that Denver plays Phoenix a couple times late in the season, Philly plays Phoenix, Sacramento plays Phoenix, the Clippers will play Phoenix too. There are some matchups that will go against the Phoenix Suns that could actually push them down into the sixth seed if they don't figure things out. And it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. It wouldn't surprise me given that they don't have Kevin Durant and the rest of their team. While talented, there's no doubting that, it's it's a little bit thin in terms of the actual talent level. So I do think that Denver has some chances here, and it's not gonna like it's it's gonna be a stressor for just about everybody, but I'm looking at it right now, and Phoenix has the seventh toughest strength of schedule remaining for the rest of the season, according to Tankathon. I don't know what their rest schedule looks like, I don't know about any any of that, but in general, if, if the Nuggets and the Sixers and the Kings who all play Phoenix, if they all try, and if Phoenix goes, let's say, 1-3 and three in those games, then that could be the difference between the 4-5 or 6 And it's coming down to it. It is not going to be easy for any of these teams, but in general, it does look like Phoenix is in not, not a precarious position, but I think everybody assumed that they would be in the 4-5 or maybe even move up to the two or the three. And as it turns out, they might be going the other direction, depending on how things go. So we will see about the rest of their schedule. But uh, the Kings won tonight in dramatic fashion. De'Aaron Fox, fantastic, continuing to do his thing. He is really, really good. Uh, He's going to win that Jerry West Award, and there's no doubt that he deserves it. The, The most clutch player in the NBA. That's a pretty cool honor to have. Uh, if they did that a few years ago, I think you would have had Nicola win it, where he had, I think, four game winners in uh, the span of a year. But uh, it's it's really hard to be that clutch. And De'Aaron Fox has been that clutch for much of this season. And it's not just about the game winners. It's about putting his team into a position where even if they don't play well for the entire time, he can take over in the fourth quarter when they need to. And that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, he is, I think, in that same tier that, that Jamal Murray was for a while. And you've seen Fox kind of, he he's had some times where I think a lot of people viewed Fox as we don't know about, uh, we don't know whether, whether they picked the right guy when trading Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. There were a lot of folks that I think thought that they made the wrong decision. And as it turns out, they made the exact right decision for their team. Uh, it's one of those things like, it's tough that Jamal got injured when he did because you've seen guys like Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker and De'Aaron Fox and whoever else, Shea Gildas Alexander, all of them have elevated their games after being given a long runway with health and good, solid play around them and and teams kind of building their team and uh, building their team in such a way that those guys can succeed. And Jamal it's been tough. Like, obviously these last few games have been really stressful for the entire Nuggets fan base, but I'm sure they've been extremely stressful for Jamal too. So hopefully they can figure some stuff out. I do think that in general, though, the Kings are probably gonna hold on to at least the two or the three seed. And I'm not sure what the Grizzlies are gonna do right now. That they just lost at Miami, which it's not really a bad loss. It's just it's a playoff team on the road. But I don't think that they like they have five fewer losses than the Suns. I think that that's enough of a gap in my mind to say, yeah, they're not going to lose that. With uh, for the Grizzlies, it's fourteen games remaining. The Suns only have thirteen games left to play. They'd have to make that up, and I just don't see that that's going to happen. So I think what we are looking at right now is probably Nuggets one, Kings two, and Grizzlies three, which is where they currently reside, but. Kings and Grizzlies could obviously flip-flop. That'll be the bracket. And if you are, I don't know, if you're the Suns, if you are the Clippers, if you're the Warriors, would you rather be in a bracket where you face them, uh, one of one of those teams, and then the Nuggets in the second round? Or would you rather be in a bracket where you face the Kings and the Grizzlies if those two teams win? I got to imagine that a lot of those teams, the Suns, the Warriors, the Clippers, are all asking themselves the same questions, and they want to be playing the way that they need to play, and, and that's that probably takes more precedence than whoever they they face in the playoffs. But I do think we're just we're just going to have to see. We are just going to have to see how this goes uh, with that. But it's going to be fascinating. It really is. I, I think this playoff picture is still taking form in the West uh, right now. The T Wolves just lost. Uh the Mavericks just escaped with a win. OKC is one uh total win, just a half game behind those two teams, tied at seven and eight. OKC's at nine. Uh LA, the Lakers are tied at 10. They're tied in the loss column at 10 with the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't think the Pelicans are going to push back. They just seem like a broken team. Uh the Jazz, I don't think they have any, they have any reason to really push that hard. The Lakers, I think, will be getting 10. And for Nuggets fans, I know you're like, ah, don't really want to face the Lakers. That's just a a bad thing waiting to happen. But I really don't have that same level of fear as a lot of Nuggets fans seem to be possessing right now about the Lakers. They're a talented team. There's no doubt that they got better at the trade deadline. Any team that trades three rotation players for Russell Westbrook and one first-round pick, obviously they're going to get better. So it's not a surprise that this is happening. Uh, But they also, like, they're 6-4 and in their last 10, and they just lost to the Houston Rockets. Were they without LeBron and AD? Yes. Was that a must-win game for them? Yes. They have to win every single game, and the Lakers only have 12 games remaining, and they have 36 losses already. So we will see where they end up with, but I do think that they will be at 10, which means that they have to win two play-in games in order to get past a team like the OKC Thunder at 9, or the Mavericks at 8, or the T-Wolves at 7. So we'll see if that ultimately shakes out the way that it does, but it feels like that is kind of sort of the bracket that is forming here. Um, In the East, Milwaukee is now separating themselves at the top a little bit. They have 19 losses compared to Boston with 22 and Philly with 22. Those three teams are clearly the best three. Uh, Philly has made a push and Boston just continues to kind of wallow a little bit. They're kind of like the Nuggets, where the Nuggets are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, although they've lost four in a row. The Celtics are in the same boat, where they're 5-5. Five and five. they won their last game. It wasn't the prettiest outcome against Minnesota. But the Sixers have won six in a row, and they are 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they're currently pushing. I think that's going to be fascinating to see how that breaks down I think the Bucs are going to get the one. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. So it really comes down to the Celtics and the Sixers. They are going to be vying for two or three. Uh, Behind them, you've got Cleveland, you've got New York, you've got Brooklyn. I don't see any reason why those teams would fall. The Cavs are at 28 losses. The Knicks are at 30. The Nets are at 30. Uh, Miami's at 33 losses. So there's a little bit of a break between the play-in teams and the playoff teams there. I think you're probably just going to look at a pretty chalk Eastern Conference where the top three teams will guaranteed be moving on to the second round, and then Cleveland will be facing New York, which that's actually a pretty interesting matchup if that does happen, where you have Donovan Mitchell versus the team that probably should have traded for him. So we will see. I do think, um, yeah, (laughs) Hurricane, I see that. Ryan, you're so young and full of life and full of love. Oh, you're not old enough to be beaten down by the weight of the world. I appreciate it. It's uh, I, I've tried to have some positivity in all of this because first and foremost, it is supposed to be fun. Hurricane. It's supposed to be fun uh, for this entire entire chat here, where it does feel like Nuggets fans have uh, gone on a little bit of a bender with the amount of criticism and the amount of worry. That has really happened over the course of these past few weeks. Uh, Look, they they had some great wins even before this losing streak. They won at Cleveland. They won at Miami right before the All Star break. Uh, They came home and they beat the Clippers at home and the Grizzlies at home. And those are good teams. Like I know that the Grizzlies were kind of fraying already. I know that the Clippers aren't this fantastic team, but they presented some challenges and the Nuggets overcame them. Does it mean that they're going to be fantastic against? Uh, Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly? Maybe not. But those teams are... If if you get there, you're in the NBA Finals. What Denver has to really worry about right now is navigating this Western Conference playoff picture. So they'll have to beat one of the teams that emerges from the play-in tournament. That is going to happen. That'll be fine. And then they have to beat the winner of the 4-5, which right now is either the Suns or the Warriors. And if you Play the Suns? Then you play the Suns, and and you have to get through KD. and You have to get through Devin Booker. Is it possible that they don't do that? Sure. Is it possible that they do? Absolutely. I think they'd probably be favored. Same thing with the Warriors, by the way. They're looking way better than they have in the past few weeks, but I do think that the Warriors are vulnerable. I think that the Suns are vulnerable. They are not this outstanding juggernaut that I think a lot of Nuggets fans think they are. and. The way that the Nuggets have played lately does not really reflect what I think they will bring to the table in the playoff series. I think they'll be way better. And if Denver does get through, the Suns and the Warriors and, or whoever they have to face, then they have to go to the Western Conference Finals and they'll probably play one of the Kings or the Grizzlies, folks. Like, this isn't rocket science here. If they get through the second round, they have a great opportunity to get to the NBA Finals. They will be battle-tested. They will be... They'll have the best player in the world, in, or at least the best player in each of those series, that's for sure. But there's no doubt to me that they can do it, and that, if we're being honest, they probably should be favored to do it. So it is interesting to hear all of the narratives that have popped up lately, all the stuff that has kind of uh, really struggled with, but how everybody's kind of really struggled with this. But it is interesting that I am the positive one when that is never usually the case. Usually I've, I've been referred to as Nuggets Eeyore for a long time. And being able to kind of turn that around and play the positivity train, I think that's pretty fun. Uh, Truth Teller says, Ryan, Sixers got three players that could average 30 points per game. And Bead, Harden, and Maxi plus Tobias and Tucker, uh, Melton, Milton, Yang, they have the best roster in the NBA. Uh, they have a great roster. I think the Sixers have a great roster. I think the Nuggets have a better roster. I think that uh, – I will say that there's no doubt who the third best player in that series is. Like between Embiid and Jokic, uh, you know that Harden is going to be the third best guy now. Uh, but could Murray be the second – he, could he be the third best guy on various nights? Absolutely. But it's going to take a little bit. And I, I do think that Harden has really – he has really elevated his game in ways that I did not expect. Uh, playing next to Embiid, really doing a lot for both the starters and the bench. Hard is fantastic. I do think that Embiid is going to win MVP, and a lot of people are going to be frustrated about that, but if Denver can figure their stuff out, they will be fine. Like, I, I'm going to talk about the bench. Uh, truth tell, I'm, I'm going to talk about the bench and about the Nuggets bench specifically, because you you just listed like eight guys, and I'm not sure that like Shake Milton and George's Niang should be in the same category as a lot of the other players that you think um, that you think they actually are. But I mean, Niang's a great shooter. Don't get me wrong, but he also does literally nothing else. So there are there are some benefits and detriments to playing the guys that they do, and they are very good. Do I think that they are the best team in the league? No, not not even close. So. Either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the bench unit because there's a lot of stuff to discuss with the bench unit and crafting the ideal bench rotation. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Superbook Sports is giving you the best chance every single week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boost and promo bets anywhere. So make sure to download the Superbook sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions, gambling problem call 1 800 522. 4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to give this a like on the YouTube side of things, folks. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, make sure to give it a like. We've got some more uh, subscribers on there as well. Thank you, everybody who has listened for subscribing to the channel. I think there's a lot of great content, and I don't know if you saw it today, but Swipe a Can he is doing stuff with Cody Rourke, and they're doing stuff for the Broncos, and there's a lot to talk about with the Broncos right now with how much money they are shelling out. So... Make sure to follow the channel, make sure to check out some of our other content, also some great abs content, as everybody knows, abs are fantastic, so thank you so much for doing that, if you do. All right, let's get into this. Let's craft the ideal bench rotation for the Denver Nuggets. As everybody knows, I do a lot of looking at rotations, I do a lot of thinking about what makes sense for the team. And I've looked at all of the numbers that you can think of, all of the combinations that you can think of. It's something that I actually really think I provide value to for the Nuggets is I actually give a lot of context when it comes to different combinations that they're using, what they're trying to accomplish at various points. And I, I take pride in that. I really do. I think that's one of the best things that I do. One of the things that you start to see are the trends when it comes to the bench rotation, because. The starters are fantastic. Obviously, they've hit a little bit of a rut over the course of this past week. I think everybody is in a rut, not just Jamal Murray, not just Michael Porter, although Michael Porter has been pretty good. Uh, Aaron Gordon's in a rut. KCP has not been shooting the ball well. And I think you could also say Nicole Jokic has hit a defensive rut where there have been some moments where he's played better defense, but by and large, the defense has not been very good after the All Star break. So, Denver, though, that's going to be their bread and butter. If they are going to win a title, it is going to be because they have the best starting group in the NBA that fits the best. And the biggest priority for Denver is to get that right over the course of these next couple weeks. They can do that on the road. They don't need to do anything crazy in order to get that back on track. But I do think that in general, the Nuggets, they they know that that's where their bread is buttered. In addition. Christian Brown, uh, not Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, excuse me. Clearly the sixth man for the team. Whatever you think of him, whatever you think of the contributions that he's provided. I, I had a couple of comments after my podcast last night that said I'm being a little bit harsh on Bruce Brown. And honestly, that's probably true. I treat him as the sixth starter. I do not treat him as a bench player because he plays starter minutes. He averages like 28 minutes a night. And to be playing that much, to be that essential for a team, you have to start treating a guy with that kind of respect and with that kind of uh, belief that he is going to be a massive, positive contributor. Uh, unfortunately, Bruce has not looked great over the course of these past couple months, and I, I think that he can be better. I think that the most important thing for him is to focus up on the defensive end. Offensively, it'll come. like Things will happen. It's not even... It's not even that big of a deal from, from an offensive perspective, but for him defensively, he's going to have to lock in. He's going to have to be his, the best version of himself, and that's going to have to be ever-present in what the Nuggets do. Now, the most important thing when figuring out the rotations is how many guys need to play, how many guys should play on a consistent basis. And right now, we've, we've talked about six players. That's not enough. Obviously, you need more when it comes to a playoff rotation. You don't need that much more. You probably need eight guys that you really, truly rely upon. And then maybe a ninth guy that you could say, yeah, we'll give this a shot. If it doesn't work, we'll cut it out. So what that says to me is that if you're playing eight, then you have to be pretty strong positionally with that. You have to be flexible. You have to be willing to go to different combinations. and. When you start getting into the rotations with the second unit, you're probably going to have to break up the the starters even a little bit faster so that you can have a couple starters come back into the game or a couple starters uh, that stay long. And and you have to be a little bit more segmented as opposed to using hockey substitutions. Uh, Michael Malone has liked to use hockey substitutions in the past. I think he does it mostly with a nine-man rotation where he will sit one guy early. And then he will take out the other four starters over the course of uh, the next couple, like the next few minutes. And then he'll insert that one starter, usually Jamal, back with four bench players. And what we have found over the course of these last couple months is that that doesn't work. It just doesn't. Denver cannot continue to go to Jamal as the only starter with the second unit. Uh, He has not been as much of a floor raiser as I think I was hoping for him to be, and as much as I think the Nuggets were hoping for him to be. The way that he was playing, the way that he was passing the ball, uh, the way that he was scoring before the All-Star break, I think there was a, a realm of possibility for him to do it on a consistent basis. And I still think that it's possible for him to lead those bench units in the playoffs and be really, really good at it. Unfortunately... Where he's at physically right now and the way that he's playing right now, I don't think he can be the only guy. so if Denver needs to win, if they need to uh if they need to actually get w's over the course of this upcoming road trip, which they do, then I think we're gonna see some changes. I think we're gonna see multiple starters play with the bench, and I do think uh Alexander, you're right, Morris talks about. Uh, bench being anything not Jokic. And and he's correct. Uh that's that's how I refer to it as well most of the time. It's just anytime that Jokic is not off is not on the floor is what I would consider bench minutes. Now, what Denver can do in those situations actually, let me back up. That's a great point and we, we should talk about why that is a good point. Because Jokic's rotations don't really change. That's the one thing that the Nuggets like to base their entire rotation around is that they're going to play Jokic for 9 to 10 to 11 minutes in the first quarter, 9, 10, 11 minutes in the the third quarter, and then they'll bring him back in in the second and fourth quarters at about the seven-minute mark is usually what they shoot for. And so depending on if you you take him out at the nine-minute mark, then he gets an eight-minute rest uh, for the last three minutes of the first quarter, first five minutes of the second quarter, et cetera. Uh, Usually it has been a shorter stint, uh, over the course of these past couple of weeks because the Nuggets have been horrible with their bench units, and they haven't been able to make it work. So the worst, the first thing that really comes to mind is, hey, let's get Jokic back in. He's really, really good. That can't be the first thing that comes to mind for Michael Malone. And the one thing that's really stood out over the course of these last couple of weeks is how late it takes him to put back in Michael Porter. Michael Porter's a guy that I think should be out there sooner in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. This last game, he played all the way through the third and then had a five-minute break and then came back in in the fourth. But by that time, it was a little bit too late. I give Michael Malone a pass for that because five minutes is really not that much time. But in general, I do think that what Denver should be doing with Michael Porter is they should be taking him out at about the four-minute mark in the first and thirds and then bringing him back in at the nine-minute mark of the second and fourth and try to play him about 34 minutes a night. Now, I don't know his physical situation. I don't know if, in general, Denver has to limit his minutes because of his back. Like That might be something that is going on behind the scenes that we do not know about. And so I can say these things. I can talk about this stuff and talk about it from a position of strength. But also, like I I just don't know on, on some of the details that sort of go on behind the scenes. So it is only speculation as to why Michael Porter has not played enough. But I do think that that is the next change that the Nuggets have to make, is that they can continue staggering Murray. There's no doubt that they probably should if they are getting ready for the playoffs, because Murray's going to have to be out there with the second unit pretty much regardless. Uh, But why not play Porter, too? Why not play him? Maybe bring him in at the 10-minute mark of the second quarter or the fourth quarter and limit the amount of time that you have Uh, like four bench guys in at the same time. There are ways to do this. And there are ways where Michael Malone, I don't think has been the most creative coach when it comes to building out rotations. He has never come up with a consistent method to stagger multiple starters at the same time. Every time, it is either a nine-man rotation with one stagger or a 10-man rotation with no staggers. And that is just not going to fly in a playoff series. Now, in general, it's the regular season, and Denver's trying not to tire out their team, and I understand that. But there are ways to limit other guys' minutes and still stagger. I think the Bucks do a fantastic job of that with Giannis. He is always fresh because he's never having to play 38. He's never having to play 40. Nikola Jokic plays 40 minutes right now, or at least 38 minutes, pretty frequently. And it wouldn't surprise me if he is getting tired. I I think I was on with Sandy Clough on Mile High Sports Radio. Make sure to check their show out, uh, Sandy and Drotar. Uh, Make sure to go check out those guys. I was on their show, and Sandy said he thought that Jokic looked a little bit tired and was playing a little bit tired. And the more I think about it, the more, yeah, I kind of understand that. I would not want to get in the way of people. I would not want to move my feet as much on defense and be jumping up and down in order to play a bunch of defense if I wasn't uh, fully there from a physical standpoint so he's probably trying to conserve some of his energy too and the nuggets have to work around that they've got to figure out how to provide the best possible rotation that they possibly can but I think if I were to build the ideal rotation and here's where we here's where we get into this I'm gonna do this on my other screen and then yeah I'm, I'm going I'm gonna do this on my other screen and try to figure it out I think the nine guys that Michael Malone played on this last game were actually pretty good. I think that Bruce Brown should be the hybrid one-two. I think that Christian Brown should be the backup three. I think that Jeff Green is fine to be the backup four if he's playing the way that he did, because I thought he played really well, made a couple mistakes here or there, but overall, I think the effort and the physicality and the, the way that he played was really helpful. Uh, and then I think Thomas Bryant, if he is your backup five, then you got to try to play at least a backup five at various points. Now, they won't play a backup five in the playoffs. I, can, I feel pretty good about that. Thomas Bryant has not really earned that right, and I do think that he has been such a wild card when it comes to fitting in with that second unit that it wouldn't surprise me if he just never really gets up off the bench. Uh, that's tough because Denver traded multiple for, uh, multiple seconds to get him i think it was 3 seconds actually and they assumed that they would get they would be getting better and it just hasn't manifested the spacing isn't there and honestly that might be the one reason to look at Vlacho instead of Jeff because Jeff is just not a floor spacer anymore he's shooting like 25% from 3 that is tough that is never going to really get it done at the NBA level. And I do think that a lot of folks are just leaving him. And so if that is the guy that you kind of pull from the rotation, then that's okay. Maybe you go Vlatko and Thomas Bryant along with Bruce Brown and Christian Brown. And then you stagger Jamal Murray for part of that time. Maybe stagger Michael Porter Jr. for another part of that time. Replay Bruce, Christian, MPJ, Vlatko, and Thomas Bryant. That'd be good. I, at least it should be good as long as Denver can stay mistake free. Uh, I don't know if there's enough creation with that group. Maybe Denver goes with Aaron Gordon at times, and maybe they replace him and put him in the five. It'll kind of be matchup dependent. But if I'm Denver, I want to start. I want to start figuring out how to how to do an eight man rotation and play two starters at all times. That's the best way to cut down on some of those other bad minutes that Denver's been seeing a lot of the time. it's just don't play the guys. You know that Bruce Brown's going to be out there. I think that Christian Brown has earned the opportunity. I don't know if Reggie Jackson's going to be back out there, but I'm a little bit shaky in terms of whether Christian Brown can actually really help out. But I do think, in general, Denver's at their best, with their second unit when Bruce Brown is on ball, when he is playing defense at the point of attack, and then maybe Jamal's playing the two. Uh, You could probably play KCP at the three, or just a combination of the three, and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I also think that there's a possibility that Denver gets to a place where Jamal comes out at the six-minute mark of the first and the third quarter, and then he plays the entire second and fourth, as opposed to coming in at like the three-minute mark, of the first or third and then having to go back out again. So we will see what it ultimately looks like with him. Uh, Scott asks, where do you see Zeke? Uh, Good question, Scott. I I don't know what to do with Zeke. I I would love to factor him in to some of these conversations, but the unfortunate reality here is that the the messaging that the Nuggets have provided health-wise has not been good. And until there's actually an update, I'm just going to treat him like he's out. I'm going to treat him like he is not an option for the Nuggets to really consider over the course of these next couple weeks. It sucks. It really does suck because Zeke, I think, was playing pretty well right before he goes down. And I think that a lot of Denver's issues over the course of these last few weeks would be aided by the fact that they could have an actual switching five, where Zeke a little bit better in those situations than Jeff Green is and certainly better than Thomas Bryant is. You don't give up as much size with Zeke that you do with Jeff. Uh, Even with Aaron Gordon, like, there's a lot there that if you just had, like, a legit time to, I think CT gets to it here. It's a shame because Flacco Zeke was legit really good. Hopefully he comes back. Yeah, man, I would love to see it. It would be better for the Nuggets if Zeke was available, because I think that he's that exact guy that you're going to want switching in a playoff series where, hey, you have to face the Warriors or the the Suns. How are you going to defend them when Jokic is off the floor, let alone on the floor? Are you going with Ag at the five? Are you going with Jeff Green? Are you going with Thomas Bryant and just trying to punish them inside? Because that is not going to work. Uh, You have to have switchable, smart, savvy defenders. And Zeke, I think qualifies as that. It's really too bad that this has happened. It's the second year in a row that it's happened. I hope this isn't a sign of things to come. I'm seeing people talk about it being injury or injury prone. It sucks, but like the shoulder injury that he had is completely different from the knee injury that he had last year, and it's just a kind of a freak thing. Like anybody that that has a freaking a freak thing, where they're talking about trying to not have surgery on it. Like it just sucks. It's it's a clear an unfortunate issue that Denver like they counted on him to be kind of one of those six nine lengthy defenders that could switch on to Klay Thompson or Kevin Durant or Devin Booker or whoever it is. And Denver just doesn't really have that option. So hopefully he comes back and hopefully that is different. But if I'm the Nuggets, I am starting the same starters, I am bringing in Bruce Brown for Jamal Murray at the six minute mark. I am bringing in Christian Brown for Michael Porter at the four-minute mark and then – or maybe the five-minute mark. And then I'm bringing one of Jeff Green or Vlatko into the game for Aaron Gordon relatively soon after that, maybe like the three or the four-minute mark. And then you're playing Jokic and KCP. You'll play those guys all the way through through the first and the third quarter. And then second and fourth begin, and you've got Jamal back out there You've got Mike back out there relatively soon, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown. Maybe Mike plays the four, and then uh, somebody like AG plays the five. There are ways for Denver to do it. It's going to be frustrating, but I do think that they're going to have to try some things over the course of these last 13 games because Denver needs to find a rhythm with that second unit. If they don't, they will lose. There's no doubt in my mind. All right. Let's take one more break, and when we come back, we are going to preview the rest of this road trip. Should be pretty quick. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Make sure to give this a like if you're just hanging out in the comments. Uh, really appreciate you hanging out. Always love it to be able to interact with the audience on these things because the most important thing for, da- or for Nuggets fans is that they stand together in a lot of these different situations because it has been tough. It has been stressful, but a lot of these are – it's not that it's not that deep. Can still be pretty happy. Like Danny says here, Lakers just lost to the Rockets. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Lakers, like, they are, I don't think that they are any threat to Denver. And I'm actually really disappointed in a lot of people that they think they will be. So, is what it is. Let's preview the rest of this road trip, though. Probably take about 10 minutes. Uh, The most important thing for the Nuggets over the course of this road trip is to get as many wins as possible. Obviously, that sounds like, yeah, duh. Like, why, why are you even saying something like that? Well, they've lost four in a row. So I think that the it, it was fine for them had they won against Chicago, had they won against San Antonio, and had they won against one of Brooklyn or Toronto, then they would have a magic number of about seven right now. Like, it would be seven for the one seed. And you have that with 13 games left to go. The one seed would be completely and entirely locked up. As it stands right now, the Magic number is 10. And even though the Grizzlies lost, uh, the Sacramento Kings did not, Sacramento still has some tough games as well. Uh, if I look at the remaining strength of schedule for them, um, they are middle of the pack, uh, 14th in remaining strength of schedule. They play the Celtics, they play the Nets, they play the Suns, they play the Warriors, they play the Mavs. Like, they'll probably win some of those games, and they might lose a couple others. Like Sacramento, they still have New Orleans, and it's possible that New Orleans makes a push at some point. So they will probably be falling back here relatively or Not falling back, but they're not going to go undefeated. That is the most important thing for Nuggets fans to remember, is that it's not lost. It is not to be in the situation where um, Nuggets fans have to wallow in, in pity right now. Things are going to be okay. They're going to be the one seed as long as they don't screw around for any more of this road trip. Like, if they have an 0-5 road trip, then we'll talk. But I don't think they're going to do that. So, uh, Hurricane says, you just haven't experienced enough disappointment, Ryan. Uh, don't you worry. I've, I've experienced plenty, my guy. It's definitely a, uh, I will won't get into that here. But we'll, uh, we'll have to talk about that at some point offline. Um, look, Denver's got a four-game road trip left at Detroit on Thursday. I'll be podcasting after that game tomorrow night. Then they play Saturday at 11 a.m. Mountain, 1 p.m. Eastern, against the New York Knicks. That is not necessarily a schedule loss. like I wouldn't describe it as such, but it's a tough one. And then they play second, uh, second night of a back-to-back in like just a train ride down to Brooklyn, and they will be playing the day after at 1.30 p.m. Mountain, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And that'll be a tough one. If they have a big win against the Knicks and people are just like, hey, we want to celebrate, it wouldn't surprise me if you could just chalk the next one up to a schedule loss against Brooklyn. Uh, although it's possible that Denver takes them one a little bit more seriously because of the way that Brooklyn beat them on their home court during this past week. And it also wouldn't surprise me if, like, look at the next three games at Detroit, at New York, at Brooklyn. All three of those teams came into Denver and won. It wasn't a it wasn't a, something that I think Nuggets fans really thought of before because there was kind of a fluky loss to Detroit. Uh, when when that happened, everything was a little bit weird. Uh, when New York came in, they didn't like Denver didn't have Jokic or Aaron Gordon and when you're facing Julius Randle, that's a big deal. Uh and then this last one against Brooklyn, Denver fought hard, but they obviously didn't play that well as a team. So they've got some things to figure out over the course of this time. And yes, they are going to have to figure that stuff out, but I think they will. Like, I honestly think that this was a little bit of a wake-up call, this four-game losing streak. They play Detroit tomorrow. And I, I swear, this last rotation that Detroit just put out there in this this last game that they played against Washington, who Denver finishes up with a couple days after facing Brooklyn. Uh, Detroit, they played Jaden Ivey, Rodney Magruder, James Wiseman, and a couple other folks. Like Eugene, I don't don't even want to pronounce his last name. He played for OKC earlier this season, and I do not want to (laughs) have that on my conscience that I I didn't know how to pronounce that name. Uh, But... There's other guys. I think Killian Hayes still there. Like, that should be a game that Denver wins. If they don't win that one, then you can start sounding the alarm bells. Like, there's no doubt in general. Oh, RJ Hampton. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. RJ Hampton, definitely somebody that Nuggets fans will remember. Uh, he hasn't played that well this year, but he's doing some things in Detroit. He's trying to turn around his career, try to stay in uh, the league long term. And he has the possibility to do that in Detroit. But, like, look, there's no reason why Denver shouldn't win that game. If Jokic doesn't take it to James Wiseman, if he doesn't treat that with the seriousness that it that it probably warrants, then if Denver does lose that game after already losing to San Antonio on the road, then, then you can start panicking. I do not think it's going to happen, so we don't have to really go into it that much. But uh, if they get that one, let's say they get that one, then you play New York. And you've got to figure that out. Like you've got to get through it. But New York is not this unbeatable team. And the last time Denver played them, they didn't have Jokic. They didn't have Aaron Gordon. So I do think that Denver's in a better place than the last time that they played New York without those guys. But they will have to figure it out. Uh, CT says I'll try to bring a win to MSG on Saturday. That'll be sweet. Uh, that's a that's a great place to be. I would love to go. I have not been to MSG. Uh, there's a lot of arenas that I still want to go to and. Hopefully, these playoffs are good for that. Like, I'd love to be able to uh, get to crypto, get to Staples, and, and maybe play. And I'll say they play the Clippers in the second round. I think that would be way more fun uh, for everybody involved. But uh, in general, the Nuggets are going to have to, like, they can win that game, and they honestly probably should win that game. I know that the Knicks are playing pretty well, I know that they're a good team. The Nuggets have to win, like, they just have to. It's a requirement now. I think that they got the wake-up call that they needed in Toronto. And then if they turn around and beat Brooklyn, then you're suddenly in a three-game winning streak. And then you wrap up in Washington after a couple days' rest. And if Denver can turn that into a four-game winning streak, then there's there's a lot to like, and you feel a lot better about the trip. It it'll be way better in in that situation if Denver can get that done. Uh I actually think that it will. I'm not going to make any official predictions, as you guys know, but I do think that the Nuggets have a chance here to turn things around right before they have to play Milwaukee on the 25th and Philly on the 27th. Those will be narrative-setting games. Those are important games for Denver from a seeding standpoint, just to make sure that they clinch the one. But they're also important for Milwaukee and Philly, because each of those guys have MVP candidates, obviously. but. They also are jockeying for position. And Milwaukee, they're going to want to keep the one seed. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't want to. Um, And then Philly, they're going to want to get up to the two at least so that they can have home court advantage in a matchup against Boston. Uh, Whether that actually happens or not remains to be seen, but I do think that Denver, they've got some things to to think about when those teams come to town, but there's also going to be some motivation there for Denver. Milwaukee will be uh, resting. I think, in that game, but maybe they won't. And Philly, I mean, that's going to be a war. Like, let's be honest. Embiid's going to play in that game. Harden will play in that game. They will do whatever they can to get Embiid an MVP. Like, that is that is their goal now when they come to Denver. They are going to try to earn it. They're going to try to clown Jokic and the Nuggets, and that's going to be frustrating. But that is still a couple weeks out. We do not need to worry about it. In general, look, This road trip is not off to a great start after what happened in Toronto. But I still do genuinely believe that the Nuggets can get this thing turned around. That Nuggets fans will breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief if they can earn some tough wins. Uh, They'll have to figure some stuff out. They will have to rise above some of the injury issues that they have. Jamal Murray's going to have to play way better than he has this last week. And I think he's capable of it. And Nuggets fans, I know. I know you think that he's capable of it, too. Uh, But in general, the bench is going to have to be fixed. And I think those issues with Jamal with the bench and with the bench, uh, yeah, those go hand in hand is what I'm really trying to say. So we will see. Uh, But for now, folks, I think that is going to do it. Um, It's going to be okay. We are going to have a great time. Uh, Hopefully, these next 13 games are a much more positive experience for the Nuggets than before. Uh, But for now, hey, Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? Everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I'll be back on Thursday, and we will do everything we can to pick up the pieces in a, a hopefully a win against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, we will see what actually happens to that one, but for now, thank you so much everybody for tuning in. Hit that like button on the way out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you so much everybody for hopping on. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.